welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Half Hour on the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, centered, located here in the Midwest, but my co-host on the West Coast. I don't know why I always feel like I need to identify my geographical location just to point out that he is in L.A. He is Chad Smart. Hello, Chad. Hello, Greg. I think it's, you know, just to identify that we are in separate locations. We are not sitting close to one another recording these. We are miles and miles apart. But I was going to say, I think one of these times you should open the show and say, welcome to a rerun of the Power Half Hour, because you always say, welcome to a new episode. But you kind of, the new episode is kind of implied, I think, when you're watching, unless we title it a best of or a, you know, hey, we were too lazy to come up with the topic this week. Here's episode two again. No, <laughs> I was just uh, I was just commenting with uh, Kevin Hunsberger, our good friend from the My One Two Three Cents podcast uh, here on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network, which is a wrestling theme blog. He had Snapchatted me um, because spoiler, we record these on Monday nights. He's Snapchatted me a picture from Monday Night Raw. And said, every time I turn on Raw, I feel like I'm watching the same match over and over. And I said, yes, I, I saw what was announced for tonight's card. And I thought they were just taking Labor Day off and rerunning a show, any episode from the last two or three months. Because it's very repetitive. But here on the Power Half Hour, we are not repetitive. No. Unless I would come up with a catchphrase or a good inside running joke, then we would be repetitive. But and- so far, that hasn't happened. And all I can say about the inclusion of Kevin Huntsberger in this episode is, oh, you young kids in your Snapchat. You know, he uh, he he told me some information about TikTok the other day. Uh-oh. And I am, I am considering letting the Chinese have all of my data information because well, well, TikTok may be the wave of the future. What What could he have said that would have sold you a grumpy old man on TikTok? Yeah, I'll tell you off air. Oh my! Oh, this it has, it has nothing to do with salacious content or anything like that. Okay, it it has to be then a boost to uh, the numbers uh, in in promoting of your goods. Well, good. I'm not going to say services. I don't know what TikTok is for, but uh, you know, for the goods, the the podcasting, it has to be good for marketing and promotion. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's okay. a, that's a. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, that's a great conversation for not right now because this week <laughs> on the Power Half Hour, we are talking about our favorite movie or TV adaptation. Try that one again. We're gonna talk about our tap tap dance around this one all night long. That's right. Our favorite TV and movie adaptations from books, and the caveat is. You know, it's not just, oh, you know what's a really great adaptation is dot, dot, dot. It it really helps if we've read the book, which is an interesting little note that uh, threw a wrinkle in my research, Chad. Did it? Well, at least you did research. I'm pulling this from the top of my hat. I will, or top of my head, I should say. But it kind of goes into, uh, you know, I'm going to do some cross-promotion here. The latest Popology 101, which launched a few days before this episode, of Power Half Hour. We are talking about Stephen King and talk about our favorite top five and bottom five Stephen King adaptations. So I don't know if any of those will show up in this conversation, but I'm just kind of using 
knowledge that I have from there and then try to remember what books I've actually read over my lifetime. That was tough for me. And, and I'll be honest with you, in my research, I found that uh, some of these books and movies uh, I haven't read or seen since high school because we would read yep. it in English class or something like that. We'd read it a, a few chapters a week or however long it took to get through the book. And then when we were, when we were all done, we'd watch the movie on it. So that's at least accounting for a couple of, of my uh, picks. But uh, the, I'll say, the, can, can, I, can I throw some shade? That's what the kids are calling it these days, right? Some shade, Chad? Sure. We, we are both big fans of uh, Tom and Jim's Top 5. And I don't yes. recall that they ever did this topic, and I think I know why. Tom can't because read. Tom can't read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. Oh, I, I like that you knew where I was going with that. That's that's the best. Um, all right. So since you suggested the topic, even if it was less of a suggestion, more of a, I don't know. You know, let's throw this uh, piece of. You know, this noodle at the wall and see if it sticks. I'm going to let you go first, Chad. Uh, well, speaking of noodle, I was kind of hoping you would take my other topic suggestion of fast food because that is something that I have been researching quite a bit over the last 45 years. But uh, <laughs> is that uh, no, we is that based on recent recent research? Well, that too. The yes. most up-to-date numbers, so to speak. Yes. Next but I will ask you, you know, before we get into our topic, what makes a good – you know, break down some uh, some rules first. What makes a good adaptation? Is it a does it need to be um, true to the source material, where they basically take what's written and just transport it to screen, or is it just taking a story and making a good visual representation, even if they have to exercise parts of the of the book or you know combine characters because there are too many characters or you know, if there's a special edition, lengthy adaptation, special director's cut version of the film, does that play into making a better film than the theatrical version? Do you have any any rules that you were looking at specifically? I, I didn't. I liked uh, faithfulness uh, to the source material, but in and that's the you know we we didn't talk about this. Our our pre production meeting literally was uh, let's record tonight. And then you said, okay, these, how about one of these two topics? And I came back with the other one and you said, oh, great. Uh, you were so excited. But, um, so we didn't delve into it, but that, that was a good question is when you were creating this list in your mind, were you going by faithfulness to the source material, material, or were you going by just what you, uh, enjoyed the most, at, you know, from, from, a from, from your particular perspective? Yeah, I, I'm going more with probably just turning a – being truthful to the book but in a way that makes sense in a film. Okay. And you know, spoiler for the Stephen King discussion that I had with Travis Yates is on my worst and best list, I had The Running Man, which I don't know if you have read that book or sh I'm guessing you've seen the movie. Sounds like Classic something I've seen. Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. I've seen enough aspects um, of it. Okay, but the book – the main character in that book is nothing like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's more like DJ Qualls from Road Trip. And so you say, okay, you know, so faithfulness to the source material isn't there. However, they took the concept of the book and made a decent story mm -hmm. out of it. And they also had Richard Dawson and Jesse the Body Ventura. So what more do you need? 
So that's my my case. I would guess, you know, if I'm going to start, um, you know, I recently watched William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, the Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes version. There's a, there you which, go. Which is a, I think a, from what I remember of reading Romeo and Juliet in high school, it's a faithful adaptation in sticking to the source material, but updating it with a flash that, uh, you know, the 1950s or 60s version with Olivia de Havilland didn't have, but uh, Boz Lerman was able to create um, something for the ADD afflicted generation. That was one that I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I really enjoyed that movie to the, to the point that I used to have that movie back on VHS. Now our younger listeners may not be aware VHS uh, predates DVDs and that that's how that when you went to a video store or, or any retail outlet and you wanted to rent or buy a movie, you had to buy it on VHS. I used to have that movie on VHS, which is ridiculous because I, I think it was the the Shakespearean element of it. Uh, you know, the fact that they they were true to to the language that William Shakespeare, you know, put ink to paper. Uh, and as you mentioned, they updated it. You know, the, the I think the long sword instead of an actual sword was a, some type of rifle that, you know, uh, uh, you know, instead of horse and buggies and carriages, they were limousines. So they had that modernity to it. But it was still very faithful to the uh, source material in that it was still in in that old English that uh, you know I I happen to be uh, a fan of, which is again I, I mentioned I've never seen Titanic because I never understood the uh, obsession with Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, twenty two however many years ago. I get it now, fantastic actor. I'm still not going to go back and watch Titanic, but I really enjoyed that Romeo and Juliet. So I'm glad that you I'm glad that you. Uh, uh, mention that one first. I, it was one, not one that I would have thought of on my little list here, but uh, but no, it's a that's a that's a fantastic addition. Well, thank you, thank you. And I would second your uh, hesitation or reservation to not go back and watch Titanic because <laughs> it is an over overhyped uh, three hours of pointlessness. I just recently watched Fern Gully for the first time. Same story, half the time. Better actor. Christian Slater, better than Leonardo. Wait, Fern Gully? Unless it's Leonardo, saying? Leonardo. <laughs> From uh, uh, Clerks the Cartoon? Yes. Uh, wait, you said Fern Gully and I said Titanic. I'm not sure that those yeah. two were the same. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not thinking Avatar. Okay. Sorry. Another horrible James Cameron movie. Fantastic. Uh, so, okay, back on topic. <laughs> so uh, one of the ones that, that jumped out to me that I remember – Quite vividly, uh, again, got to go back to high school for it, uh, but it's To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, we we, we read the classic uh, novel and book, or um, in book, in school. Like, I need to go back to book, I mean school. Uh, but we read we read the, the novel and, and we broke it down. And, of course, we are, by and large, rural kids, you know, in, in a smaller community. So I think there was uh, some aspects of the book that we could relate to. And then we watched the movie. Uh, Gregory Peck, you know, I, I'll never forget that because his name's Gregory, my name is Greg, so we have that commonality and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, just a terrific, terrific movie. That's one that I like the book more than the movie and it took me a couple times of reading the book to get through it, 
But once I did, once I finally got into the book, I really, really loved the book. And then I saw the movie and just something was missing. And I think it was because I loved the book so much, but, but I, but again, it's a classic, you know, uh, and the fact that it was Harper Lee's only book that she ever wrote and that until she died and, and they found a manuscript where um, turns out that uh, Gregory Peck's character, whose name escapes me now, Atticus Finch, Atticus Finch turned out to be racist. And I think a member of the KKK. And so he had to be canceled, but I think you're you making can look all that, that up for yourself. I think you're making all that up. Google it. It's your friend. But I'm going to stick with the kill concept and I'm going to go with, you know, in the nineties when my reading was probably at its highest, you couldn't go a month it seemed without either a new book or a movie adaptation by a lawyer turned author, John Grisham Mm -hmm. and his first novel, which I believe was either the second or third movie adaptation, uh, which, you know, kind of, moved Matthew McConaughey into a bigger stratosphere as he was already coming up. And then it's a time to kill. She also had Sam Jackson, Ashley, um, or Sandra Bullock, Ashley, uh, Judd and, uh, Chris Cooper, who came to uh, prominence a few years later in American beauty. But, uh, I think a time to kill is, is a well-crafted story. Um, and I think, you know, probably now there's still, unfortunate uh, relevance to the, to the movie or to the book, to the story, you will. And we were talking about being faithful to the source material. I don't know if you've read the book, but at the end they did make one change. They, um, Matthew McConaughey gives a speech that one of the jurors give gives in the book, but I think it was well done. And, Again, it's just a fantastic and probably my favorite John Grisham book and movie. I've not seen A Time to Kill, but uh, in, and I, I haven't read this book uh, of the movie I'm going to mention here, so I, I can't uh, 100% commit to it being on the list. But uh, a John Grisham novel turned movie that I enjoyed 15 or so years back uh, was Runaway Jury. Also oh, very good. Uh, yeah, they changed it from, I think the book is deals with the tobacco. Um, it's, it's anti-tobacco, whereas the movie is anti-gun mm-hmm. or, or maybe vice versa. But yeah, it's, that's one that I just read and saw for the first time like 13 years ago. And uh, yeah, really good story. So I'm, I'm going to go uh, classic again. And my sister used to have this book, and I think I read it before we had to read it in, I want to say maybe middle school. But it was where the red fern grows, and uh, I'm not familiar with. It. I know the name, but I, I've never read or seen the movie. Never had to read. Oh, um, it's you know, it, it's again rural life. Uh, it's a boy who you know saves up. He he, he wants to uh, he wants wants a dog or two, some good hunting dogs, and his dad I think makes him save up. So he's got a, like an old coffee can that he puts change in, and he finally gets a couple of dogs and, and they're inseparable and, and, uh, you know, he's, he's winning these, uh, like hunting competitions, these, uh, coon hunting competitions and things like that. And, uh, that then before, like as, as the boy gets older, spoiler for this book, that's from 
you know, almost 50 years ago, uh, as, as he gets older. And the dogs' names were Old Dan and Little Ann, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, the boy gets older and their family moves away. And, and one of the two dogs had died, I think, from injuries in, involved in a particular uh, hunt. And the other one kind of, like, died of a broken heart. So they buried him. And then a red fern grew, grew between the, the dog body. So it's, it's weepy and sad, but, but I always enjoyed the book and, and the movie. I think again, the, the original movie, they made another movie well, within the last 10 or 15 years that I believe starred, uh, Dave Matthews as the dad, but you got to go back to that old kind of black and white version. So, so there you go. Well, I, I think I'll stick with that one instead of a Dave Matthews version. Okay. If I could do a Dave Matthews impersonation, I would right here, but uh, I can't, so I won't. I, I I'll just move on. Yes, let's. What's your next one, sir? <laughs> well, next one is probably, to my knowledge, the last book that I read that was turned into a uh, into a film, and it's one that, if any of our listeners are, have heard of this, I will be surprised. It's a Swedish book. It's called A Man Named Ova, I'm and not. it's about uh, this old guy in Sweden whose wife has died, and he's, um, you know, he has his routine that he does every day, and this new Indian family moves in next door, and they have kids, and they're loud, and he's just like, ah, he's old man. So I could relate to this story quite well, being of Swedish <laughs> descent myself, not, but... Uh, I, you know, and it's the one where when you watch the movie, it's a classic example of, oh, the movie's good, but the book is so much better because the book goes into more detail. You get more uh, a sense of who the character is and, and what he's going through, whereas the book has to truncate a lot of that. Um, so I would recommend it. It was available on Amazon Prime. It is in Swedish. It's Swedish with English subtitles. So you can actually watch the movie and read at the same time. So you could theoretically say you've done both seen the movie and read the book you know sometimes in, in a loud house i have to put the subtitles on just to hear the dialogue in an english speaking you know movie or tv show oh, so. i i watch with closed captions on all the time huh. you learn something new um I, I want to i don't know exactly where we are time wise i want to make sure that uh the this one gets mentioned you know we talked about we haven't mentioned it but it, it's one that i I saw in theaters, and it actually uh, provoked me to go read the books. And a lot of people had, you know, it, it's one of these, it's a movie where you either love it or hate it. And I lean more towards the love it side. I like it a lot. Um, it's pretty faithful to the source material with the exception of the, the big bad in the third act. And that's The Watchmen. Okay, the, I've uh, I've tried watching this movie multiple times, and Zack Snyder's direction just uh, does not play to me. Although I did watch the HBO miniseries recently, which has nothing to do with it with the book. Not at all. All right. So, so what go. did you like about Watchmen? Uh, I, I for for some reason I liked the because uh, I I also loved uh, Three Hundred, another Zack Snyder film, which. Uh, I, I know the story, but I knew it was a Frank Miller uh, graphic novel that I never read. Uh, but I, I, for some reason, I like 
uh, maybe it's his color palette or, or what I like his style. Uh, so it inspired me to go and watch one of these quote unquote seminal, you know, comic books, graphic novels. And, and I, I did, I enjoyed the book. I, you know, as, as it is, and I think in most cases I enjoyed the book more than the movie. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it I, I like some of the characters. Um, you know, I like how you, you've got the dysfunctional heroes, uh, kind of what we're seeing play out now in, in, uh, Amazon Prime's The Boys to a much more horrific extent. Um, we can talk about that another time or you can talk about it, uh, this coming Friday or Saturday uh, morning on Nerds United as Mike Luther, the co-host of the year and I talk about, uh, the first three episodes of season two. Anyway, um, so I don't know. I, it's, I, I thought it was pretty faithful, almost a, um, a shot by shot, frame by frame type of, uh, look at things until again, that third act. So, and I guess maybe this will be a future topic or, or, or like you said, you probably mentioned this on nerd United at some point in its run. We're talking novelizations to movies, but with the rash and the popularity of comic book movies now, how faithful are you, you know, as a fan of comic books, how did, you know, the adaptations being faithful to that source material, is that a big concern with you? Because I know you're a huge Green Lantern fan, and the Green Lantern movie was pretty darn faithful to the origin of Green Lantern. And and that's one of the reasons why, and this is, there's no irony in this, but I love that movie. I do. Um, it You can say what you want about, you know, the the you know, animated suit or CGI suit or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I do. And, and uh, you know, I thought about bringing that one up uh, myself, but I think the issue that you have with comic book to movie is, you know, for a lot of these characters, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, you know, the list goes on and on. And any of these, uh, you know, star studded type of characters, you have 60 to 80 years of stories to draw from. And that gets really difficult to try to pare down and, and put into a two hour movie. I mean, we saw even, you know, Marvel, Marvel's tried. They had a winter soldier, which is a, you know, a series of, of, you know, that turned into a, a graphic novel or trade paperback, but it's a story inside Captain America's larger arc. Uh, and they did a version of winter soldier they did certainly did a vision of Civil War, which was nothing like the uh, the version in the book. And Infinity War was, you know, it was so far beyond the initial source material that it looked, you know, the, the common thread was you had Thanos and you had a bunch of heroes. You know, th those were the, the points of contact. But again, I think the biggest issue you have there is there's just so much to draw from. And I credit the, you know, teams, creative teams at Marvel, you know, for weaving the, the tapestry of stories that they've been able to do, because that's a credit all to itself, but it's different from the comic books. Well, jumping off of that, I'm going to ask you, because uh, I'm saving my last pick until we get down closer to the end of the time, but it's a topic that, or a subject that comes up when you're discussing, you know, adapting, ab adapting a book into a film is in something we've seen a lot recently with, you know, the last Harry Potter movie, the last Twilight, the last uh, Hunger Games is they take 
the last book and split it into two movies. Do you think this is a good op? Is it just a cash grab to get another film out there so you can make another half a billion or more dollars? Or are they taking movies that or books that are so dense that uh, in order to tell the story faithfully, they have to spread it out. And, you know, you can look at the Hobbit trilogy, which apparently the Hobbit book, if filmed faithfully, would only be a two or three hour film. And, and Peter Jackson managed to get a 57 hour trilogy out of that <laughs> one as well. Uh, yeah. So uh, address your first question uh, first. Uh, and I think Correct me if I'm wrong, because I've not read any of the Harry Potter books, which is why I can't include them on the list. Um, I, I do enjoy the movies, but I believe that the Deathly Hallows book is something like 700 pages, and I think that that is a lot to try to you know shoehorn into one, even three-hour movie. Um, I couldn't tell you anything about Twilight uh, and The Hunger Games. I've read those books um but I don't remember if the the third one warranted being split uh, split in two. Um, as for the the second part of your question, uh, yeah, I, I read The Hobbit. I have the the Kindle version, and it took me a long time to read it because you know it takes me a long time to find time to read anything. Um, but while I enjoy all three of those movies, I think you, and, and I had somebody explain this to me, you know, about the Lord of the Rings movies how three stories could be nine to 10 hours of entertainment. Like, Oh no, it's all the appendices and everything else. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, do do on, on something that I enjoyed. So I enjoyed all, all three of those Hobbit movies. So, uh, let them be. All right. Fair enough. I just, uh, curious your, your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, we're down here to the last less than five minutes into the show because we like to keep this, at a strict half hour. That's why we call it the power half hour. Um, like I said, I, I couldn't mention Stephen King movies that I really liked, but I just did a whole episode about that on Popology 101 over at the Positive Cynicism Podcasting Network. Can I can I mention one Stephen King movie that I think from um, print to screen might be the best adaptation? I'm not going to say it's my favorite, but I think it's the best adaptation, and that's The Green Mile. <clears throat> Okay, that, that was on our discussion list. I, I read the the book and then I saw the movie and I said, "Oh, this all of this rings very familiar." You know, I feel like beat for beat. And while while doing the book service, it was also entertaining and it didn't feel like there were any points that really lagged. So uh, let's move on. Right. So my the last one that I'm going to mention, and I I'm going to cheat. This is going to be my Chad uh, being a smartass type. Uh, answer, but I'm going with the wonderful Nicolas Cage movie adaptation. <laughs> Have you? Are you familiar with this film? Not at all. I just know that you know you're a, it, you're a sneaky cuss. It's a Nick Cage. Uh, it is based on a movie called The Orchid Thief, I believe. Uh, yes, The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean, and Charlie Kaufman was. Uh, tasked with adapting this and he couldn't figure out a way to do so. And so he made a movie that was more about him trying to adapt a book into a movie. And, uh, he plays twin, uh, Nicholas Cage plays twin brothers, Charlie Kaufman. And I can't remember what the, uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's directed by Spike Jones written by Charlie Kaufman. 
Uh, but it's, it's just a really great kind of very meta type film adaptation of the book. And I don't know how much it actually has to do with the book, although I know Chris Cooper is in it. And I think he plays the character inspire, who inspires the actual book. So if you've not checked it out, I highly recommend it. It's a fun film. and uh, You get double Nick Cage. Ooh, that's what everybody loves, right? <laughs> All right, I've got one more to send us out, Chad. And I, I happened to just stumble across this one. It it was off my radar. Uh-oh, is that our time? Is that our time, Q? No. No. You got to go back to 1966. Um, but it, it, it flies under a lot of people's radars because it's not a full movie. But for my money, give me How the Grinch Stole Christmas. You're not talking about the Jim Carrey adaptation, I'm talking correct? about the 1966 animated one. I'm just making sure. I, I love to read that book uh, on Christmas Eve to my son, and I think this year I'm going to uh, break up the song and insert it in my reading in the parts where it would actually be in the in the, in the little cartoon. So, All right. But, yes, if you were mentioning the Jim Carrey version, I would, I would have to cut the show short um, because – I, after saying this, I never want to speak of that film again on this show because it does not exist. It is like Indiana Jones 5 or the Star Wars sequel trilogies or um, I can't think of anything else. But all I can say is we're out of time. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.